0: What's happening Troops, my name is Lewis and this is Love, Sex and All The Rest. Hey guys and welcome back to the podcast. So today I've got another special guest on. So I've got my oldest and best friend Matt here. We've had some amazing times together and just shared some truly like unique experiences together. Um, Matt is a very successful personal trainer, coach, and a bodybuilder, and it's my great pleasure to welcome him on today. And we're just going to chat about things that we usually speak about in private. But the main topic today is how exercise relates into sex. So, first of all, welcome, Matt. Thank you very much. How are we?
1: Good. It's nice to be a guest on podcast. Yeah, in instead church, of
0: actually, instead yeah. of hosting, yeah. So Matt's actually got his own podcast with our friend Dan um called Two Pints of Water and a Packet Away. Yeah. Um I'll add the link in the description so you can check it out. Um it's very informative. Um so yeah, go check it out. So yeah, so starting off, um how how does exercise relate to sex? So like both of us worked as a personal trainer, we know roughly, but it's more to educate like a lot of other people about it. Mm. Um. So what is your standpoint on, you know, that whole subject?
1: So I would say for the majority of people, they undervalue the role of your health in their sex life. Yeah. So when you take an average Joe person or an average couple, for example, the healthier they are, more often than not, more likely to have better sex life okay so if you take someone who is 12 percent body fat eats a healthy diet exercises four or five days a week and then you get twin brother of this guy and this guy is 40 percent body fat couch potato doesn't exercise yeah eats loads of shite all the time the likelihood is that person a or twin a i should say will have a better sex life than twin b yeah um due to multiple factors which we're going to go into obviously for sure yeah um but the likelihood is that he's going to have a better sex life he's going to have better function due to hormone balances mm-hmm. um a lot of um medications these days when it comes to performance mishaps with guys yeah are usually treatable through natural remedies like exercise and nutrition before they're treatable for medication like things like Viagra and things like that yeah so a lot of the time, people look for something to fix their performance issue in the bedroom. And I'm talking from a male perspective. We'll talk about females after. But yeah. from a male perspective, it is totally treatable just by the way you live your life. So, for example, the healthier you are, um, the more you take care of yourself through exercise, nutrition, the way you live your life. In my opinion, the better your sex life should be.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean. Um, just touching back to like you know couch potato guys they're always sort of looking because they're quite lazy in general they're always looking for the quickest fix yeah and the quickest fix for them if you're having performance issues they're yeah. like yeah a little blue pill
1: sort me out thank you very much exactly yeah but they're then they're solving the root problem yeah and why sure. that performance issue is there yeah. and i mean i'm sure you've had conversations with the guys it's a little bit of an awkward conversation sometimes mm. because you're a young fit pt to them but for them to open up and explain to you look i'm struggling with things in that yeah. direction and like it's it just takes being honest sometimes to just say look my sex life isn't great or look yeah. i'm having like erectile dysfunction issues or mm. like i'm not healthy or even going deeper into that is when people are functioning perfectly fine sexually yeah but they're not fertile so they're not producing good sperm mm. and that's also related to your health a lot of the time now don't get me wrong there's genetic anomalies where people can't produce fertile sperm yeah and that's just it's just bad luck really Mm. but most of the time your sperm count or how strong your swimmers are as doctors say is directly correlated to how healthy you are yeah again lifestyle choices nutrition exercise routine how much sleep you get how high your stress levels are another thing that directly affects your sex drive and your sexual performance is your Mm -hmm. hormones so when we talk about hormones people say like hormones but they don't usually actually know what that means so your primary sex hormones are testosterone and estrogen Mm -hmm. now for a man you're primarily going to have a high percentage of testosterone a low percentage of estrogen these if you think of these two hormones as two elements on either side of a scale like you know the old egyptian scales up and down on either side testosterone should be the higher point estrogen should be the lower point if you're a healthy man Mm -hmm. the more unhealthy man or an aging man for example the scales will start tipping so no yeah. one can see what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm yeah, it becomes... But you can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, on. so and a woman, for example, will have scales that go the opposite way. Her yeah. estrogen will be a lot higher than her testosterone levels. Yeah. Now, your sex drive as a man, for example, will be directly linked to your testosterone level. So if your testosterone level is high, you're more likely to have a good sex drive, yeah. but also you're more likely to have good swimmers. Yeah. And it's yeah. very, very um, well-known in fertility medicine Mm. that people who are healthy tend to have less problems with fertility than people who are unhealthy yeah yeah so if you're if you're listening to this and you're a really healthy individual the likelihood is is that you're quite fertile yeah that's likely yeah as i say there's always anomalies that go out with that yeah um and then on the flip side if you're a really unhealthy person it's really got pretty much nothing to do with age at this point if you're that unhealthy it's more how you're treating your body yeah then you're less likely to produce fertile sperm. So if your goal, like I've had clients come to me that their goal is to get pregnant. Yeah, I've I've had the exact same thing. So like, you know, I say to every client that starts me, what's your goal? And I've had a couple of women and a man say, my goal is to get my missus pregnant or my goal is to get pregnant with my husband or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's your goal and you're unhealthy, the best thing you can do is potentially lose body fat, Mm -hmm. add an exercise, improve your diet. And what this will do alongside... Make you look and feel better about yourself. It will actually improve your hormone profile, so increase your testosterone, and for a man, decrease your estrogen level. For a woman, it might not have exactly the same effect, but the likelihood is that your sex drive will improve the healthier you are. Yeah. So I think I'm already going off on a couple of tangents there, which is fine. I'll let you redirect it. No, (laughs) no. I mean,
0: we've touched on a lot of it. Like, I mean, we're going to speak about libido and losing libido. Obviously, like how how your lifestyle kind of contributes into that, and if you're an unhealthy person who is like classic couch potato you know you're gonna have not so high a libido and then you're gonna have to rely on like external things like porn to get get you you know in the mood for it Mm. and like you know how much that kind of disrupts your brain anyway so imagine being you know that couch potato
1: yeah
0: going into porn i'm not saying like it's the worst thing for you but like it's definitely a contributing factor to your mental health as well yeah so you know if you're said person who's a couch potato and you know has lost libido and sex drive you know obviously the first thing that we would do and advise would be to go out and exercise but what would you say like would be another contributing factor into getting back into getting libido back into as an improving as in you know. improving feeling libido yeah yeah Outside apart from of, the obvious like exercise and diet
1: yeah i would say a really important one a really underrated one that i speak about a lot with clients is your morning and bedtime routine so your morning and bedtime routine will have a massive influence on your hormone um, production yeah so if we're talking about eliminating the obvious things which is diet and exercise yeah your bedtime routine will dictate one the state of sleep that you get into Mm -hmm. and two how long you sleep for three the environment you sleep in yeah those three things will be critical to how your body rests how your body recovers how your body sets up for the following day Mm -hmm. if you have terrible bedtime routine which i'll talk about in a minute yeah and that affects your sleep ultimately. You feel tired the next day. What's going to happen is your body is going to produce cortisol, which is known as the stress hormone. Yeah. Now, stress in general is something that we deal with in modern society in abundance now. And it's much more prevalent in people of our generation than it was in our grandparents' yeah. generation. Yeah, I think they were so. much less stressed out. Yeah. There's been a lot of data done on this. And I listened to a podcast the other day about this. Um, there's lots of different studies. I'm not gonna be able to recite them all, but there's lots yeah. of different studies that prove this. And that, that cortisol hormone has an impact on everything, it has an impact on how we make our food choices, mm-hmm. how our brain um, sends signals to the rest of the body, the other organs. For example, for our testicles to produce sperm, we need to send a signal from the pituitary gland to the testicles. If your cortisol levels are very, very high, that signal will be lacking yeah and that's simply just because there's other priorities your body goes into almost like a like a survival mode yeah like let's fix the stressor first let's yeah. sort that thing that's keeping us up at night mm-hmm. um so anyway i'm getting off on a tangent again but okay. the cortisol hormone will ultimately affect your libido yeah. and your sex life so bedtime routine things that i see that are common mistakes with bedtime yeah. routine are one just not giving yourself enough time yeah so go into at half eleven, when you've got to get up at five, yeah, like you're never going to get a good sleep. The optimal sleep for an adult is between seven and eight hours. Yeah, so you want to organize your daily routine and your weekly routine so that you can ideally get that amount in. Yeah. So if you're not in bed, like I would say, uh, eight to eight and a half hours mm-hmm. before you have to get up the following morning, you've already failed your bedtime routine. Yeah, exactly. You haven't planned your day accordingly. Yeah. Another thing that I recommend for people who struggle with sleep. Is to not take caffeine in within 10 hours of bedtime. Yeah. So if bedtime, let's just say for simplicity's sake, to keep my math simple, is 10 o'clock. Yeah. If you're going to if you're going to bed at 10 o'clock, you don't have caffeine afternoon. Yeah. If you have caffeine afternoon, the half life of caffeine is about five hours. So it'll be actively in your bloodstream until 10 p.m. Yeah. yeah, Right. So that's one thing because caffeine is a stimulant. If your brain is stimulated from caffeine or any other things, I know a lot of people work offices that do more than caffeine but yeah yeah so, so relax <laughs> let's be <laughs> back for a second bro. but yeah. stimulants will affect your sleep quality because yeah. what we want is we want the the neurologic pathways in the brain to be relaxed yeah and that's the simplest form as i can possibly explain it we want to be relaxed you want to be parasympathetic mm. which is where your central nervous system is chill okay yeah. if you're chill you can go into a deep state of sleep which people normally call rem sleep yeah REM sleep. Yeah, yeah. so if you're in rem sleep you're gonna have a much better chance of waking up the next day refreshed. Therefore, it's gonna oh, have really. a knock-on effect on your testosterone, your estrogen, yeah. anti-cortisol, all yeah. these things. So it does have a big effect. Um, so those are those are going to bed at the wrong time is a key one. Yeah. Another one is screen time. Yeah. 100%. So screen time also has a big impact on how our brains work. Yeah. So if you're if you're staring at blue light for an hour, like if you're on Instagram or WhatsApp, and yeah. which is easily done, 100 percent, an hour before you go to bed. Your brain is stimulated yeah. so again you're not going to get into that deep state of sleep mm. for anyone listening to this that has already done all these things and is still struggling um one thing i would really recommend is magnesium magnesium yeah. citrate or magnesium glycinate mm-hmm. depending on your body weight somewhere between 200 and 800 milligrams pre-bed yeah. or with your last dinner meal at night for example can really really help because what that'll do is it'll stimulate a parasympathetic drive to your nervous system.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So your central nervous system is what dictates that sort of like chill mode. Yeah. And if we're in a sympathetic drive, that's like when you're training in the gym, yeah. or you're screaming at someone at a red light, or yeah, you know, red you're know, you having an argument with your girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that's sympathetic drive. Parasympathetic is the complete opposite. Yeah. So when you're sitting chilled and you're trying to fall Relax. asleep, yeah, you yeah. want that. Now, yeah. Magnesium helps put us in that parasympathetic zone and it helps keep us there, yeah. so it's going to improve your sleep quality, mm-hmm. not your sleep quantity. Yeah, I've told clients to take magnesium in the past, and yeah. they think it's like some sort of sleeping pill. Yeah, it's to sleep, like, no man, yeah, it's an electrolyte, it doesn't, it
0: doesn't work, <laughs> it's it doesn't not work a sleeping well. pill. Yeah, like, literally, it's not a sedative Like,
1: no, relax, no. you're not yeah. going to swallow a magnesium pill and just like fall down the stairs, yeah, no, it's, um, gonna it's not going to be that. No. Um, so those are the things that, um that i find will impact your sleep in yeah. a beneficial way and yeah. then potentially to a detriment as well yeah um, and that will have a knock-on effect to things like libido yeah sex drive how you feel generally about yourself yeah. your food choices all these things have been proven to be affected by sleep yeah um so i know i've been talking about sleep for a while now but it is quite an important part I of think. how we live a healthy life yeah and it's often neglected
0: yeah 100 like people don't value like how great sleep is for you yeah and like they really undervalue it and don't treat themselves very well and have like four five hours sleep a night you know and still think they can function at a high you know capacity yeah um whereas that's just not the case
1: i don't know about you as well but i feel wrecked if i don't have seven hours of sleep i'm done same
0: literally like i've spent so many years making sure i get at least eight hours of sleep and if i don't then i need to change something i do change something another one i think is a big contributor as well is getting in in your morning routine is getting enough sunlight in the morning Mm. before you like even start your day so like get yourself up and get in the sunlight I know like with being in Scotland like (laughs) the sun doesn't come up until half past eight in the winter yeah and you know uh, everybody's at work for like three hours or two hours before that do you know what I mean so it's very difficult but getting natural sunlight on Mm. your skin going out for a walk getting fresh air like i can't believe how fresh the air is here Mm -hmm. again do i mean like it's one thing when i came back like um getting fresh air and sunlight is a massive contributor to everything like mood um just a better state of consciousness consciousness i feel so yeah i think i think sleep and sleep and sunlight are massive contributors into trying to get it's just like you say it's a knock-on effect into getting libido back which is yeah. ideally what
1: everybody wants to be at, a decent yeah i think those things also contribute to your mood which mm. will ultimately contribute to how you feel which will ultimately contribute towards hormone production yeah so i'm trying to talk about it from a least biased point of view of course so that we're talking about like hormones and how they actually function yeah, yeah. rather than do this do that because everyone's in a different scenario right yeah of course. So you want to for your body to be optimal to improve your sex life, to improve your mood, mm. you want your body to be optimal and you want your body to be able to produce hormones at a decent rate. Yeah. Um. So another thing that can help with that is dopamine production. So yeah. dopamine is um what doctors would call the happy hormone. Yeah. The happy hormone is released when we see a loved one that yeah. we haven't seen in a while, when we get a hug. Yeah. If you pat a dog. Yeah, little <laughs> these, simple thing. Little Little trickles of happiness mm. that come into our brain and something that'll make you smile. Someone thanking you for doing something nice for you. Yeah. You release a little bit of dopamine. Mm-hmm. These things are also massive contributors towards our mental health. Mm-hmm. The issue that a lot of people have in modern society is that we don't do these things enough because we interact less. Yeah, So that's something that again has actually been studied and proven that we interact less now which i think everyone probably is aware of
0: yeah i think everybody would agree with that especially with like a state of social media it's never really social is it yeah you might get social media yeah literally like you might get a dopamine hit from getting a like on a phone on instagram or like Mm. a comment or something like that Mm. but that's so short-lived yeah that it needs to there's such a severe lack of connect like genuine connection yeah with like humans these days yeah which is what i just find it wild you know but like I get it, you know, and um, yeah, it's just yeah I, I totally agree. Like the lack of connection is such a contributor into you know the lack of dopamine and you know other hormones. Like I, I mean, we're going to speak about hormones related to exercise anyway. Um, but yeah, I think everybody's lacking a bit of oxytocin and, and serotonin yeah. and yeah, dopamine would be the three main ones I feel. Yeah, and um, you know, relating that back to exercise and sex i think you know all exercise then leads into how
1: you know that would get released during sex i guess yeah so this isn't something i actually know too much about i'm okay. definitely not a sex doctor or sex therapist yeah no i don't um, mind
0: but like we speak about this often uh, yeah do you know so I mean?
1: like so... For, for most people when you're when you're sleeping with someone or you're in a relationship with someone when you care about them when you have feelings for them You'll release oxytocin in quite a high amount mm-hmm. during like um, periods of like cuddling or kissing yeah. or having sex with someone. When you release this hormone, it effectively people call it the love hormone. So it effectively will increase your chances of having feelings for someone, mm-hmm. which is why you basically don't fall in love with someone straight away. It's a time process. Yeah. And that's why it happens because we gradually produce more oxytocin you build up enough, you feel like you're falling in love with someone. So yeah. that's effectively what it is. It's just a hormone. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> to a found, hormone. To sound really unemotional. Yeah. That's what it is, right? <laughs> it's a hormone. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and I mean, we've obviously felt it. So we're talking yeah. from experience. Yeah. But like, you know, when you get someone who is in their first ever relationship when they're like 16 for example yeah they think they're in love but they're probably not yeah, it's yeah, just their yeah. first hit yeah. of oxytocin it's the first time they've had that it's a massive hit it's wow. a massive dump of oxytocin <laughs> <laughs> and they're like whoa this, this is amazing i have like, hit peaking yeah, yeah, um yeah. so that's that's like the love hormone obviously you'll produce more of it over time the more time you spend with someone mm-hmm. um you you produce it with family which is why you feel a certain way about your family yeah and that's why um you can't sort of alter how you feel about most members of your family as soon as mm-hmm. you see them you'll feel happy yeah and that's that's why it's the same with dogs which is why humans have domesticated dogs for the past i don't know twenty thousand 000 years yeah, something literally. like that um so so that's that's another thing um why did i start talking about what's my train of thought
0: um kind of how it relates back to You know, exercise and sex, just all the
1: hormones sort of
0: relating back to sex and exercise, sort of the correlation between them.
1: So when you exercise as a female or a male, your body will produce hormones that will help you recover from exercise. So exercise with resistance-based training um, will cause inflammation in your muscle tissue. Skeletal muscle tissue inflammation will cause an influx of a few different hormones to repair broken down tissue. Mm -hmm so if let's say i go in and do a olive body workout yeah my body's going to be inflamed for the next two days my body's reaction to that inflammation is to reduce that inflammation with that comes more testosterone more natural human growth hormone yeah more natural estrogen in certain circumstances depending on your hormone profile um and what that'll do is it'll speed up your recovery so your body's becoming more able to recover from a a bad situation yeah. which is inflammation yeah, yeah. that's effectively how we grow muscle and yeah. that's effectively how we increase our testosterone level yeah. now i can imagine from what i've said so far i've probably had a little bit of bias towards males just mm. because we were sitting here chatting yeah of course yeah, yeah. so if i was a female listening to this i'd be like, what about me? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah yeah what yeah yeah, Talk about yeah. so if you're a female as weird as this sounds you still want a high level of testosterone yeah and you still want to produce more testosterone because ultimately it will improve you yeah. in terms of sex drive, in terms of yeah. health. You're never going to be able to produce as much testosterone as a guy unless you have a nutsack. Of course. Which <laughs> I don't know, maybe there is one listen to this. You one. never know. You never you know. You never know. Not either. No. Um, but you still want that. You still <laughs> yeah. want to produce that in abundance. And that will only ever have a positive effect on your health, mm-hmm. but also on your libido. Yeah. So your libido, like I said earlier on the podcast, like your libido is directly correlated to your level of testosterone
0: yeah
1: now that doesn't always mean that your sex drive is going to be really really high your testosterone is in a good spot yeah it just means that if it goes up if your testosterone is el- elevated by exercise yeah you're more likely to have a good sex drive yeah you're more likely to have a high libido yeah,
0: yeah.
1: um and just from like <laughs> us chatting <laughs> over the years like, yeah me knowing a lot of people who trained, me look knowing a lot of people who are quite unhealthy. Yeah, you do tend to see trends. I'm sure this. Yeah, oh, the in power recognition
0: trends. in everyone. Yeah,
1: yeah. So people who tend to have a really good, healthy balance of a sex life, sex looking life. after themselves, blah blah yeah, blah, yeah, yeah. tend to be the fit healthier people. Yeah, hundred percent. Who look after themselves, 100%. who have lower percentages of body fat. Yeah, as opposed to the say. I don't know, Joel
0: Blog, who's 40 years old, lives an unhealthy healthy lifestyle, has yep. a lot of cortisol not from his office job. Stressed. Out. You know, stressed out he's not. I can imagine he's probably not having a lot of sex because exactly. his testosterone is very low. Yeah. Cortisol is super high. Yeah. And his libido is virtually non-existent.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and it's scary how common that is. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I would think. say I think um so <sighs> Don't quote me on these numbers, but basically our testosterone naturally mm. um, peaks at around, I think it's 18. So that's okay. like the height of our peak. Yeah. And we naturally start decreasing our testosterone production after the age of 25. Mm-hmm. That's males and females, by the way. It's more noticeable in males, yeah. Um, but that's both genders, which is kind of crap when you think about it. Yeah, 100%. But that's the natural order.
0: Yeah,
1: Biologically, we're built to have children from the age of 15 to 25. That's what we're doing. Yeah. That's what we're built to do. Yeah. That's why females start having periods in their early Earlier. teens yeah. because their body's preparing for pregnancy. Yeah. When a woman has a period for the first time, that's her body ready to have children. Yeah. So people forget that because of modern society, we're having kids later and later and later. Yeah. That doesn't mean biology has backed that up yet. No, no. Biology so hasn't supported that. No. Biology's still the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're programmed to have children from the age of fifteen to twenty-five. Yeah. And that's when our testosterone peaks. Yeah. Within that age cap. Mm-hmm. So. By the time you're 40, you've had 15 years potentially of gradually decreasing your testosterone. And if you don't take care of yourself, it's decreasing a lot faster than it should be. Yeah. So what you effectively end up with, if we're talking about Joe, who's a couch potato, yeah. stressed out, arguing with his missus every second day, yeah. like his testosterone is probably equal to a 65, 70-year-old man, yeah. whereas it should be a 40-year-old Yeah. And that's because of his lifestyle choices, the way he's treated his body, his diet's poor this guy's having a rough time <laughs> yeah he is i feel he's sorry weird. for him he's, he's going real late <laughs> joe's not even real but i feel sorry for him um so that's just an example of one way you can do it yeah now how you offset the aging process of your testosterone being lowered is by taking care of yourself yeah. all the stuff we've already talked about mm-hmm. um so yeah like i said earlier it does have a direct correlation to how you treat yourself yeah um obviously yeah. there's genetic components to these things yeah. but you can definitely help your case um, have a good libido for a longer period of time yeah. as a man by taking care of yourself. Yeah, I think the same sort of goes for women
0: as well. You know, um, same sort of um, yeah, it's the same sort of hormone regulation sort of is the exact same. You know, you've got Sally who's forty, does the exact same as Jill, who's a couch potato, stressed out or not, argues with her husband twenty four seven. you know, they probably maybe have been trying for a kid and haven't had one. You know, and they're wondering why. You know, it's because they probably live such a sedentary lifestyle and their cortisol's through the fucking roof. Yeah. You know, so um be all and end all. Get your ass out, get fucking moving. Yeah. Eat some more roughage. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. get some more sunlight and decent sleep and watch what happens. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So I think um I think that's probably a great place to start if you are struggling with libido. I mean, I think when when you're sort of younger i think the same sort of goals you know it's like if you're say like Irish and you know we're struggling to get our libido up to a decent standard for it it has been and we have been used to in our teens. Mm-hmm. you know i think the same sort of um advice goes um across the board but i think there could be other contributing factors i think um do you think a lot of social pressure kind of plays into that with having, like, relationships earlier and kids earlier, get married earlier? Like, because I've been away for, like, so many years, all I've seen is people coming, well, like, having kids and getting married and stuff like that. And then I've, I've also seen on the back of that many, many relationships, like, maybe fallen by the waysides and things haven't happened. Like, do you think, like, the, I, I know that the general population of the world is decreasing do you think it will continue that trend or do you think it'll, you know, pick itself
1: back up? Oh, 100% it will decrease. Yeah. In our lifetime, the world's population will massively decrease mm-hmm. for multiple reasons. But one of them will be because we're not going to live as long. So yeah. our grandparents are a very, very healthy bunch of people, um, particularly the males of that generation. Um, you know, we're talking about war babies. My grandparents lived through the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Um and uh they grew up on rations yeah. you know this just a totally different world back then but the men primarily did like manual labor jobs and, yeah you know it was very like like scotland was such a working class place yeah it was and obviously yeah. it still is to a certain extent but like everyone had to really work back in the day yeah like actually work not yeah. like
0: computer screen nobody was always...
1: sitting on phones doing crypto yeah, in the yeah it was a different time so that generation generally there was no obesity mm-hmm. there was no obesity until elderly age in that generation yeah our parents generation yeah when i'm saying this people listening me and Lucer in our late 20s yeah so um so our parents you know we're talking between 55 60 yeah. that sort of age yeah, yeah. that generation um we're much more healthier than our generation and it's trickled down with every decade we became unhealthier yeah which is why there's a strain on the nhs in the uk yeah um but the life expectancy from our generation because of the way we don't exercise as much mm. we're more obese as a country um, our food choices are worse, takeaways are more accessible. All these different things, all these different variables correlate to worse health. Yeah, The worse health you have as a nation, the lower life expectancy will be. Yeah, so exactly. if you think the NHS is struggling now, give it 5 years, 10 years, yeah. it'll be a hell of a lot worse 100%. because of the state of the way people live their lives. And yeah. not everyone, obviously there's people like us that take care of themselves, but mm. the masses don't take care of themselves no. overly well yeah. and that will have a knock on effect. Yeah. In terms of world population. Infertility, yeah, that is gonna also be affected by this. Yeah. Because there's more unhealthy people, technically speaking, it becomes more difficult to conceive yeah. children. Yeah. So if you get someone who's morbidly obese, I'm talking females here because ultimately they're baby yeah. carriers. Yeah, right? are, yeah, yeah. So if you get a female who's morbidly obese, try not to say this in a horrible way, it's gonna be very difficult for them to produce a healthy child. Yeah. So a healthy baby coming out of them is very unlikely. Yeah. Okay. A lot of the time, they'll unfortunately have a miscarriage, mm-hmm. or they won't be able to. There'll be complications with the birth. Something will happen. Yeah. Or even the pregnancy, like it won't get that far. Yeah, we couldn't. Might not get it that far. Yeah. 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 To have yeah. fertile eggs, generally, you need to be in good health, and mm-hmm. good hormone balances. Um. Another issue that um will happen a lot more. I I know this happens a lot more now, but it'll happen a lot more in the coming ten to twenty years when. Sort of people younger than us start having children, mm. is men won't be as fertile as well. Yeah. Because testosterone levels are getting lower. Yeah. So since 1950, this is according to, I think it's Colorado University research or something like that, yeah. since the year 1950, so we're talking post World War II, yeah. in Western society, testosterone has lowered in men by 1% per year. That's, that's on wild. average. That's wild. And that's not just done on one city, that's done across Western society. Yeah, so yeah. we're talking Europe. America, Canada, like, you know, yeah, we're yeah. talking a, a, big, we're. a big amount of people, yeah, yeah. not just Afford. Yeah. <laughs> no. You know, um, the masses. Yeah. Sense. So, so if we're talking 1% a year, what does that mean? It means in the past 70 years, we've lost 70% of our testosterone as men. And that's for multiple reasons. Mm. Life's more accessible now. We don't have to work as hard. Yeah. Men are less manly. I don't want to sound like a toxic masculine thing to say there, yeah. but like things have changed.
0: Yeah. I think, I think what you, Try to refer to is like the the view of a man in this day and age was completely different yeah. to a view of a man in nineteen fifties. You know, because they were very much viewed as the breadwinner, the yeah. um, protector. the protector, yeah. the alpha guy who yeah. doesn't speak about his feelings and share shit. Yeah. He just bucks up and gets on with it. Whereas yeah. now, I think it's it has changed. Where yeah. you know society's kind of been a bit i wouldn't say nicer but like a bit more comfortable with guys you know opening up and sharing and like because like like i've spoken about on this podcast like male suicide is a massive thing and it's because a lack of guys are opening up and speaking about shit yeah and um i think with society growing i think it's going to get the suicide rate for sure is going to get better well i hope it does anyway because guys are you know getting more comfortable with getting to know themselves and feelings and all the rest of it whereas Mm. back in the 50s or however long it was you're just buck up mate get on with it get Get your job done yeah and go home yeah and make more children
1: yeah and i think one thing that i didn't even mention which is the really obvious part is that people took better care of themselves yeah and that's why testosterone is higher you know people took better care of themselves they wouldn't even consider not having you know vegetables or not eating their fruit things like that that was just a given you had to do that you You know your rations were protein veg some carbohydrates and that was like what you got yeah you had no other options they were this generation were just programmed into eating correctly Mm -hmm. and they knew nothing different they didn't eat fast food because there was no fast food. Yeah. They didn't eat refined sugar because, well, that'll kill you young. Yeah. But nowadays, people still know that and they don't care anymore. Yeah, exactly. So we've got this period of time in, like, humanity where, like, people have accepted being unhealthy as normal.
0: Yeah, literally. And it, that's, it's scary.
1: Yeah, it's weird. And you, you get something in psychology called social cohesion. Yeah, yeah. Which is where we normalize things that are wrong because other people are doing it. Yeah. So... Eating terribly one day, like Christmas Day, for example, yeah. it's not going to do anything to you. It's no. not going to have any negative benefits. I can eat all the shit I want on Christmas Day. Yeah. I'm not going to be a morbidly obese, unhealthy human for the rest of my life. No, exactly. Just like eating a salad doesn't change your 20 years of bad habits. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to make a difference. <laughs> but if you do this for the majority of your life, for 20, 30 years, there's a massive effect on your body. Yeah. And I think people have just normalized this. Mm. Okay, that's normal. That's the way all my mates yeah. are. Yeah. That's the way my mum is. That's the way my dad is. This is just a My brother thing. is the same. So yeah. I'm not going to change because everyone around me is like that. Yeah, everyone in the office has Fat Friday, so I'm going to have a Fat Friday. Yeah, exactly. Social yeah. cohesion, yeah. Yeah, and then you're almost isolated for not partaking
0: in that. Well, we've experienced that Yeah, yeah. more than anyone. I know. I know, which is fucking weird. Yeah like if you don't want to do something don't fucking do it yeah. don't just follow the crowd yeah that's what i feel anyway and yeah no yeah. i know you're the exact same
1: yeah i mean i i found like obviously you're the same as me we see i die on all this stuff but like if you're the person in amongst a group who are eating like a certain meal let's say it's like pizza like a fat friday in an office or something like yeah. that and you're the one not having it you're seen as the odd one yeah even though in reality it shouldn't be like that, no, it should be the opposite way around, yeah. Um, and by all means, I don't want anyone to listen to this thinking that I'm demonizing fast food, no, because anyone can have a takeaway and be totally healthy. I'm not saying that you're unhealthy because you have one takeaway, <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying if you normalize that behavior on a daily basis, it will have a knock on effect on your future health, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It can, can become quite toxic.
0: Like, I think Do you know what's even worse, though, right, is the guys who are in that office eating that p- pizza and see this person eating out of their Tupperware box and they're like, oh my God, you're so great. I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. I should be doing this, but there's still stuff from their face with pizza. Yeah, Like just make that fucking change and do it. Yeah. I just don't. This is like, willpower, isn't it? It is. It is. And I think willpower as a whole general populace is decreasing massively again with everything that we've just spoken about.
1: Yeah. I would say as well that I appreciate that people are different. Oh, yeah. And that's Perfect, something yeah. I've i gradually accepted with a bit of emotional maturity. Yeah. The largest Something I maybe yeah. wasn't great at when I was younger. Yeah. But like one thing I really don't like is when people have a go at people for doing something different or being mm. happy. You know, so yeah. you, you'll always get that person on a night out if someone is not drinking. You'll yeah. you'll always get the one guy or girl that's like, Go on, just yeah. have one, just... have a shot. What difference will one beer make? <laughs> you know, all that rubbish that you hear. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. well. It's not like, the one beer that's going to yeah. destroy my life. It's yeah. not like that. It's what
0: it represents. Yeah, it's it's, like, it's the point. Yeah, like, I don't want to, so I'm not going to. Exactly. Like yeah. if you want to find crack on, like yeah. that's your life. I'm, I'm happy for you. Do what you want to do. I empathize yeah. with that. But like, just respect my decision yeah. for not wanting to and doing it. It's and like, like, that's what both of us are quite like. Um, like I've more recently like not been drinking like i've been in a lot of social situations and i'm very grateful that all my friends i've met are like look if you don't want to drink that's fine look that's cool. if you want to go home that's fine just let me know um as long as you're okay that's fine and my like hats off to all my friends because they're great i great with that kind of thing so i don't really feel that pressure yeah. and even when people do it you'll be the exact same and they're like oh you should just have a drink and like no like fuck off i'm fine
1: yeah you know I mean, and people like us as well, because we're stubborn, the more people do it, the less likely I am to have fall You exactly. know, like if I, I might have had one beer, yeah, but now I definitely won't, yeah, because exactly. you've, you've given me a yeah. choice that like I'm not going to let you control my mind, yeah, exactly. Know? Like, honestly, fuck off. yeah, so, um, what were we saying before? i am also thought that, um, I was going to say something, <laughs> I knew this was yeah, there's a lot of tangents, no, it's fine, it's fine. Um, <laughs> So I was going to say, I was talking about the the office guy yeah, or sorry. girl yeah, yeah, yeah. who says, go on, just have one or yeah, like yeah. have a beer or whatever. And that person, I explained this to a client the other day, actually, and I hope he listens to this podcast um because he'll really resonate with a lot of this. But I always explain this to clients that, that if you think about the psychology of what that person is doing or what they're going through more often than not i'm not saying this is the case every time Mm -hmm. but more often than not that person has tried to be healthy or tried a diet or some sort of fad diet for their holiday or whatever and they haven't managed to do it so their coping mechanism for seeing someone else doing well out of their own insecurity Mm -hmm. is to try and sabotage yeah now this happens in relationships quite a lot 100 percent and i've had it a lot as a pt my other half's eating shit or she's Mm -hmm. trying to encourage me to eat this or you know my husband's having a takeaway when i'm trying to eat my like yeah my prepared meals yeah you know i'm trying to keep my carbs low lose body fat all this kind of stuff and the sabotage mindset is more common in insecure people who have failed at a diet or failed at trying to look after themselves
0: yeah you'll
1: never ever get or i'd be amazed if you ever get that kind of reaction from someone who takes care of themselves yeah it, it, I've never seen it happen. No, I've yeah. never met someone who's like us. Yeah, or a like-minded person, someone who prioritizes their health, their well-being, uh, just respects people in general. Yeah, that is like go on, have one. Oh, yeah. you pussy. Yeah,
0: yeah. you know, like yeah. yeah. No, I. Th- I think I think you're completely right. I think if someone has failed at something like that, they're literally just projecting their own insecurities onto yeah. the other person yeah. in the hope that they will follow follow like through with that um just because it makes them feel better which is quite a selfish standpoint but then again like the empath in me i'm kind of like right okay well let's maybe get to the root of this problem with your partner or something like that like obviously there's something you know that isn't quite right or Mm -hmm. isn't there or they're scared of or they don't want to talk about something Mm -hmm. for them to have that sort of reaction Mm -hmm. you know but then it's that's a whole different ball game um, the so conversation needs to be had though for sure. For I think couples. exactly. I think especially in couples, and we'll move on to like couples and dating in a sec. Um, I think couples nowadays really struggle to have the harder conversations mm. because out of fear of either judgment or um anything like that. Mm. And I think that's maybe stunting us as a sort of society. Um, it's stopping us pre- like, progress in relationships That's maybe why they haven't evolved into you know procreation because you know they're not even getting to that point mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and that's what i find I, f- I feel like a lot of people especially with our age and our late teens are going through this really weird late teens sort of would... <laughs> yeah. late 20s um yeah I-, I think people in our sort of age bracket are you know in this weird funk where they either are super happy being alone or they are screaming out for a relationship or are already in a relationship mm. and, you know, either don't see it moving forward because they're scared about speaking to their partner about X, Y, and Z or something like that. Mm. Um,
1: I think it's a weird sort of age that we're at right now. I don't know I if you've found that. Like... No, I 100% agree. It's a weird age. And I've actually used those words before. It's a weird age because... You get people who want to give in to what I was saying before about cohesion, social cohesion. The typical social cohesion is when someone hits the age of 30 and they're like, right, I want to get married and have kids. Yeah. So they rush the process, right? They date someone, they kind of like them. They'll do, let's let's settle down and make babies. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well. Do you actually want to spend the rest of your life for that person yeah. is that yeah. are you getting married for the right reasons yeah. so do you actually know or you, this person are you actually just really aware of your biological clock yeah you know i think yeah. that's a common thing that i've seen quite a lot mm. and i think because women in our generation mostly have careers now yeah which they didn't have 60 years ago yeah women didn't really have careers they mm. just stay at home mm-hmm. and um i hope no one takes that the wrong way but that's kind of how it works now yeah. um yeah people are having kids later so people are having relationships later Mm -hmm. and what happens when people have relationships later is they've spent more time single if you spend more time single you become happy on your own Mm -hmm. so then it becomes more difficult to actually find a partner that suits yeah you become so much more pickier and a bit more like self-aware
0: of the things that you actually need and what matter to you which then you know narrows down the sort of percentage group that you're looking for because it could be from like say if you're in your early 20s it could be like you're looking at the top 20 percent of men who are good looking have everything Mm. have a good job have a good house all the rest of it whereas if you're moving into like your sort of 30s and you're kind of in that space where you're like right i'm ready to settle down have kids like you just said you're literally just narrowing i i feel like anyway you're narrowing down that standpoint of what you actually look for because you're more self-aware you know what you need Mm. and you know what you know guys um can offer you like you've got about maybe less than five percent choice of the people that are actually suited to you mm. so how do you then weed out all of the people to like date and actually invest time into because you know you're in your 30s and you're, you're on this journey where you want to have kids and get married and progress in your life but then how long are you willing to spend in your 30s mm. dating all these people to invest in all these this timing you know so we're pushing the general populace like back and back and back because people aren't having aren't maybe getting to that standpoint which is fine mm-hmm. it's okay but yeah I think that's why people are having kids later and later
1: definitely you know definitely. like what you said before about the percentage mm-hmm. I've never thought about it like that but that's a good way to look at it the percentage of people who you feel are like compatible yeah. to you mm-hmm. Because, like, I'll ask you, I know you're the host, but I'll ask you, yeah. compare 18-year-old Lewis yeah. to 28-year-old Lewis. To now, fuck me. Like, your expectations of what you want from a girl are probably completely different.
0: Oh, 100%. We spoke about this. She- Remember when we went on that road trip? It was down to Glasgow, wasn't it? And we spoke, where, me and Matt were in the road uh, going down to a fitness expo. And we all, all of us said, right, when are we going to have kids and get married and stuff? I think, I can't remember what I was Trying to it. guess it. I think I said, I'll be married with a kid at 24. No, it wasn't 24. It was like 26, wasn't it? Is was it 26? Yeah. And um, you
1: said... I said I'd be an old dad. Did you? Yeah, I always said that. Because oh. I said I'd be the last out of all of us. Yeah. There's four of us in this chair. Yeah. Um. And I always thought I'd be an older dad. Like I was like, I'll get married with kids after all you guys do it. yeah, yeah. But look at us now. No, I'm are. Yet. <laughs> yeah. But what I was asking you is. Yeah, like, sorry. If, if, if you don't mind answering this on your no, podcast, but like, what, what did you look for when you were 18? What do you look for now? When
0: I was 18, <laughs> honestly, I was just looking for. <laughs> I was just looking for sex, to be honest with you. Like I'm not going to be brash about it because when you're 18 like do you have the emotional like side of things to look for anything less some people do don't get me wrong like some people absolutely do and I've seen that I think that. girls do I think girls do but like girls are better I think from a, a guy's perspective being 18 do I have did I have the emotional maturity to start a relationship absolutely not did I know what I was lo- absolutely looking for did I know myself absolutely not no whereas now i feel like i'm looking at such a small window of what i'm looking for personally because mm. like i feel like i need someone super self-aware and very emotionally mature has a great communication style and all the rest of the things that kind of tie into that so like i think i'm looking at a small demograph with the girls that are actually still single still available still in the sort of same headspace mm. enjoys the same things that i like to do mm. um and so, yeah, I th- I think it's I think it's a longer process than now than what it used to be is in getting into uh, a new relationship. So I'm more picky than my time, yeah, essentially, yeah, like, yeah, don't get me wrong. I love going on dates and meeting new people and stuff like that, but am I willing to take it past that first date with some people? Yeah, absolutely. If it's on the same sort of energy and vibe. but if I'm not then what's the point don't waste your time i'm not wasting my time and i don't want to certainly don't want to waste the other
1: person's time do You know what I mean? so yeah the wasting time thing's a big one like that's something that i've like i think matured with mm. you know like emotional maturity is a big thing and I, I mention it quite a lot when i like reflect on my own stuff yeah and um that sounds kind of deep but i don't think it is that deep it's just no, self-reflection is quite important yeah for sure and um I think emotional maturity changes the way you view things and people. 100%. For me, it really does because I think when you, if you ask 18 year old Matt Lewis mm. what you look for in a girl, most likely yeah. the first three or four things we talk about are physical. Yeah. Like it would just be like, you would say blonde hair. I would say Pocahontas looking girl. You know, I would just, you know, I mean? it would just be like that. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, yeah. yeah. And uh
0: she needs to have a good set of tits. <laughs>
1: Do you know what i mean that's literally how we used to speak though and then i asked you that now and you were talking about like more values the values and personality personal traits that yeah. suit you yeah and you know that because of emotional maturity exactly Whereas it 18 you not clue no like, I, I don't think about myself maturity wise no. you know not at all i don't even just know it. who the fuck i was do yeah. i mean either did you you're just trying to figure it out yeah or you're not yeah you or you're here. not because you don't yeah. You, <laughs> you don't care. care. Yeah, you just don't give a shit. Um, you know. So it just it just changes with time, big time. Yeah, hundred percent I but think one thing I've noticed a lot is that females figure that out way faster. I completely agree. I think is... they're they're almost there at like 23, 24. Which is why, in my opinion, most females go for older guys. I agree. Because of that emotional maturity gap. Yeah. Um, I think they're more like a girl who's 20 is more compatible with an older guy than uh than a guy is with an older girl. Yeah, hundred
0: percent. Hundred percent, and I think see when we were younger, I think we were at fault for maybe chasing after the older girls because they were maybe mature. It's maybe subconsciously something that we were looking for, but we didn't really figure that out at the time, you know. So, but well, yeah, um. All right, leading into since we're on the topic of like girls and dating and stuff like that, mm-hmm. when was that? When was the last like first date you ever went on? My
1: last first date was. What oh, did you do? What did you do? i think the date i honestly can't remember the date mm-hmm. i'm not bullshitting i genuinely yeah, yeah. can't remember i'm struggling to think of it this year's a bit of a blur for dates i can tell you all the dates of all my bodybuilding comps. yeah um <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding but not really but not really um, no I, what did we do um we went for a drive nice coffee walk nice and a chat
0: and something like that. i much value i much rather value that than going out for a drink or something uh, or something as super deal. intense is as... do you think dinner
1: is an intense first date i don't like it okay I, d- I don't know if intense is the right word but i wouldn't choose it as a first date okay i just want to get to know someone on a first date i think mm. that's my goal of a first date yeah, yeah. if you're getting to know someone then you're winning yeah 100%. if, if okay. you do that for dinner you can yeah. but it wouldn't be my first pick no.
0: yeah now like i've i've had quite a lot of dinner first dates Mm -hmm. and they've went pretty well and i think it just kind of puts people at ease a little bit i know people can kind of well girls can be quite um a bit timid sometimes when they're eating you know people are kind of afraid to eat in front of a lot of people you know um but as soon as that kind of like shyness sort of goes i think it's on a on a decent level, and I've got really deep on some really first dates. And like, mm. you know, me, I i will love doing that shit on the first date, yeah, you know. And um, but yeah, it's been a I quite like dinner first date, yeah, it's nice. Um, all right, next question What is the most embarrassing thing you've ever said to a girl? Now, we between us have got some really embarrassing things that we did when we were younger, yeah.
1: In terms of staying stuff. So, one between the two of us is, I can remember us being in Pearl Lounge. I yeah. don't know how many people listen to your podcast yeah. from Aberdeen. It's a nightclub in yeah. Aberdeen. If you're not from Aberdeen, you won't have a clue what I'm talking about. But Imagine condensation on the walls, sticky floor, cheap drinks, 18-year-old Matt and Lewis, just, you know. Sweat first. Sweat first. Um, we're uh. I think we're walking over to the bar. There's a couple of good looking girls and we're just, we were pretty confident. Never really lacked confidence. And we just went over and started chatting to them. And um, for whatever reason, I don't even think this was a planned thing. We just made up a complete (laughs) lie that we were models. And this (laughs) just went off and on and on. And they were asking us quite a lot of detail about it. And we were answering it impeccably, even though we were absolutely hammered. <laughs> <laughs> and we we did so well backing up this story for some reason, and they just totally bought it. And I don't even know why we did it because they, I think we could have spoke to them either way. It's not no. like we had to had to had say that, but, yeah. but yeah, that's that's definitely up there. Um, what was the original question? Most most embarrassing thing you've ever said to a girl? I don't know if I'm embarrassed about that. I
0: just kind of find that funny. No, that is really funny though. Um, most embarrassing thing I've said to a girl.
1: Like when you're younger, you really do say absolutely anything. Yeah, I've probably said some really silly things, but I don't think because I was so confident, I don't think I would have felt embarrassed about it. Yeah, I get it, yeah, But yeah, I'd be yeah. embarrassed now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. just different because you've got a bit more awareness when you're older. But yeah. I mean, I'm talking here like we're in our forties. We're obviously not Yo. but you know what oh. I mean? Like things do just change after a decade yeah, they, of dating girls. Yeah, they do. Um they do. That sounds terrible when you say that. Dark. Oh my god, yeah.
0: A decade. Yeah. But oh God, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to think about embarrassment. I don't get embarrassed easy. Yeah, no, either do I. Yeah. You've seen me. Well, both of us out in public, we
1: just we don't care shit. Yeah, we don't care. So maybe come back to my now. On
0: yeah, okay. 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 So for starting a new relationship with someone, how big is like a deeper set connection for you? Now I know we've just spoken about that briefly and um, like I feel like in the past couple of years since I've been away I feel like you've grown as a person a lot more mm-hmm. so I'm just interested to see if you know a deeper set connection is you know one of the primary things that you're looking for when starting like a new relationship definitely what sort of like other factors like contribute into that like having been more self-aware now than you were like maybe before I left so I know I've I've grown a lot personally in the past like couple of years since I've been away. Mm-hmm. So I was just intriguing to see
1: if you kind of have the same, similar thoughts. I think one thing that sticks out as soon as you ask that question is values. Mm-hmm. So when people say the word values, sometimes they mean it shortchanged as one or two things. Mm-hmm. I don't mean values as one or two things like how much you say please and thank you mm-hmm. or do you get on with your dad i don't mean it like that mm. what i mean is just generally the way you see the world the way you treat people yeah all these different things that correlate into the person that you are yeah um so i think values is something that i appreciate and expect yeah if i'm being honest yeah um strong core values mm. so the way someone speaks to like i love the muhammad ali quote that i'm about to butcher um i'm paraphrasing i can't remember word for word what it is but it's along the lines of i don't judge someone by how they speak to me Mm -hmm. i judge them by how they speak to other people yeah and because people can see us as a coach or as a pt or as a bodybuilder in my case now yeah as a position of like power over them especially when you're personal training someone they see you as a position of power yeah so they treat you with respect naturally because of that position you're in but how do they treat other people If you're out for a coffee with someone, let's say you're out for a coffee for a first date, Mm -hmm. how do they treat the person that serves you the coffee? Mm -hmm. That's more important to me than how they treat me. yeah. Because that will give you a true indication of what they're actually like and how they have respect for other people. Yeah, You know, um, if you hold a door open for them, if they don't say thank you, then they probably don't have great values about them. So that's just little things like that. I'm trying to think of other examples. It's difficult when you're on the spot. Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah. But values is definitely one, so core values, someone's relationship with their family doesn't define them, mm-hmm. but they speak to their family, in my opinion, is quite a good indicator of what they're like. Yeah, yeah. Um, now not everyone has a great relationship with their family, so no. that's not always the case. But, of course. but in general, I think you can get to know someone by how they treat other people. Mm-hmm. You know, you go out for dinner how do they speak to the waitress yeah exactly like you know are they rude to them because if they are they probably don't respect people yeah exactly and they might be fake respecting you the way they're talking to you yeah 100 like, i've learned that a lot over the years it's, it's not how someone speaks to you it's how they speak to other people mm-hmm. so it's a cool. really good one actually I, Joe, I
0: totally agree with you if um they don't have the respect to treat other people with kindness how do you expect them to do the exact same with you you know it's just managing levels of ex- expectations yeah You know, I think um, it can be quite convoluted with, I don't know, just society and social media and shit like that. I think it can put a bit of a stunt in people's just brains, like being nice or being just treating people horribly. Yeah. I just don't understand sometimes. But then that kind of relates back to like being an empath and Mm -hmm. thinking about how like what's going on in their life Mm. so so some like I've been at fault in the past for being like a fixer so seeing someone like that treating someone like shit and being like oh right there must be something like going on Mm. I want to figure out the root of that so then I'm going to pursue that because I want to sort of fix them which is a terrible way of doing it yeah you know and I think learning from that you know you can't like change people's minds it's very hard mm. and it's I don't want to say it's a waste of time but like if they're not going to change them by themselves then how do you expect them to change after you try to help them out and if they're not treating you with respect when you're trying to help them out then what's the point and I'm at fault for trying to stay there too long mm.
1: you know so that's going yeah, a lot Everyone little... can be guilty of that in a certain relationship I think so yeah um, I think we've probably both been guilty of that in the past um, I'd say I'm much less I'm a fixer than you are. Mm. I'd say I'm much more of a walk away. Yeah, than you are. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we have both played that role before.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I've been more at fault for being too much of a people pleaser. Mm. And whereas you're like, Joe,
1: if you don't fucking like it, I'll see you later. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I should have mentioned earlier, when you're asking me about um, when I start talking about values. Yeah. Is that I really, really don't mind. I don't want to say i don't care because i don't care sounds rash yeah but i don't mind if people don't like me yeah and i think like you've got to accept if you're if you're like dating someone for example you don't know them they don't know you yeah right? you've got to just accept that you won't always click yeah and i think when you're younger you want everything to click yeah you want everyone to like you i mean i was like that when i was a teenager yeah. i just wanted everyone to like me Same. i think um it was it was very much something that we'd like would be on my mind if someone likes me or not like if someone um didn't like me i would want to change it yeah and i think that's quite natural as you're younger i think so now i don't care yeah and i don't i don't mind yeah so like if someone said oh such and such doesn't like you that wouldn't change one iota of my mood yeah for that day whereas if i was 14 and you said to Mm. me that person doesn't like you i'd be like oh no i need to speak to that person i need to change their mind yeah i need to make them laugh yeah i percent you know yeah seeking the acceptance 100% I'm the exact
0: same I think it's just a teenage thing
1: hey? yeah I think it probably is yeah. but it's something that like it applies to relationships as well as friendship yeah so like if you're if you're dating someone and you think they're great and they don't really like you whether it's physical or whether it's like your values don't align mm-hmm. with theirs or whatever then all right yeah move on that's fine don't don't go don't linger still water yeah just just move on go the other direction don't try to change it and that's something that i'm i think personally it's something that i can accept really fast yeah it's like okay that person's all right i can just
0: yeah i think i i'm like that now whereas before it's taken it took me a while to sort of get to that Mm. but i think now i'm a lot more precious with my time and who i spend time with yeah like sure. when i meeting meet other people but like if i'm not getting the same sort of respect and time back and same effort matched then i'm not gonna bother do you know what i mean so all right i think we're gonna wrap things up for there my man so thank you very much for coming on hopefully everybody found this relatable insightful and pretty entertaining hopefully with some of our stories and all right thank you matt thank you very much and um, i'll see you in the next one